Hi guys, welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown, Tuesday, November 8th episode. I'm your host, Jake Burns. Hope you guys are doing well, hope your week is going well, and I'm excited for this episode because we're going to dig into some of the information about the first half, what we've learned, and try to direct our attention to the second half and what we hope to learn from the Browns' uh, offense. We're going to focus offense today. We will get to defense, and then with defense, we will also include special teams in that as well. Uh, That's coming over the next two days, which I'm pretty excited about. Like I said, I think they'll be interesting conversation points, interesting questions, all of that to go over here. And I always like to keep an eye on the future. Today for offense, going to go through pretty much everybody on the depth chart uh, who has played. If they haven't played, I'm not going to give Drew Forbes an analysis, right, or something along those lines. But uh, anybody who's touched the field for any sort of significant number of snaps, we're going to discuss, talk about what they've done this year. Or if a guy who we expected to find snaps isn't finding snaps, we'll also talk about that guy as well. We're going to do it on a grade scale of they're playing above expectations, at expectations, or below expectations. So that's the simple problem. We're not going to 1 to 10 them or give them a true pro football focus grade, but we will pull in a bunch of stats and pull in some grades and have discussions built around that. I'm going to welcome in John Colosimo. We didn't get with John last week for our usual time. Uh, maybe John and I might hit a double up episode this week where we talk a little later in the week about how the hell the Browns beat the Dolphins in that dynamic offense. But John's going to talk to us about the offense, what he's thought, and he's got some answers lined up. John, what's up, brother? Thanks for stopping by. Hey, man, I'm doing good, man. It's a, it's a good Monday. Let's uh, let's let's talk about the Cleveland Browns offense, which has been pretty good. Um, I, I would venture to say really good, uh, not not just pretty good. They're, they're stuff for the year. They're fifth in DVOA right now. Um, and again, not everybody's at the same halfway point. And I know there's a little more second half than first half action here, but it's actually a pretty decent uh, stopgap in between the two parts of the season. So fifth in DVOA, sixth in overall expected points added per play, 14th on EPA per dropback, first in EPA per designed rush, 12th overall in positive EPA play rate. So that's success rate. So 12th overall is pretty strong. I think collectively, John, I'll give you the floor here. I'll just say I think this offense has exceeded expectations through the first portion of the year. I know there's still three more Jacoby Brissett games here, and we sort of almost in our minds broken it into Jacoby and Deshaun, but this is the halfway point, and I feel like this offense has been really, really good, and that has been a surprise for pretty much all of us, to be simple on that one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's been the bright spot of every um... – Every weekend, right? I mean, anytime we're watching this team, we've basically been able to count on uh, the offense uh, to provide some entertaining football. I mean, it hasn't been perfect, but um, I think it's been far better than any of us had a right to expect. Statistically speaking here, uh, this, this year they've put up 1,769 passing yards, seven touchdowns, six interceptions, one of which goes to Amari Cooper. Um, you know, whatever. But uh, on the rushing side of things, they've run for 1,317 yards at a five yards per carry clip, 15 touchdowns, which is a, a pretty high number. And a reminder, not everybody's hit the bye week. So some of the, I'm not really going to give you league ranks, but the rushing stuff is all top five, basically. Passing stuff, the only thing about the passing that's not at the highest is the attempt number is not that high because the Browns don't throw it a ton. Believe it or not, some of you who hate that, uh, how much they do throw it. And then the touchdown number is not all too high either, largely because they found themselves in the red zone and they've been hitting rushing touchdowns like crazy. I mean, I mean, uh, Nick Chubb leaves the NFL with 10 rushing touchdowns. So that's not even including any of the quarterback sneaks or anything Kareem has done uh, on his side of things as well. So those numbers are all very encouraging. And when we break it into individual players, we probably should start at quarterback. Brissett is at 16, 163 of 255, hitting a 64% completion number, 1,862 yards, seven touchdowns, five interceptions. His pro football focus passing grade is a 71. So that mark is pretty strong for for what we expected of him. If we look at it by position and we look at passing grades around the NFL, his passing grade is 71.1, is 14th in the NFL. If we actually kind of filter that into minimum dropback number of 50%, he's at 11. So he's right behind Justin Herbert two behind Aaron Rodgers, out in front of guys like Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson, Stafford, Kyler, Russell Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and among many others. There's 25 guys who played 50% of 416 dropbacks on the year. So I think it's pretty safe to say that Jacoby, and I should have mentioned too, he's also rushed for, uh, let's see here, his rushing number on the season 
31 rushes, 142, and two touchdowns. So it's not like he's been a doormat back there just just getting pounded in, in terms of the pocket. He has been surprisingly mobile back there to get out of some chaotic situations, and we all know how adept he is at handling the sneak stuff. I think this is an absolute home run. Somebody posted the other day, uh, I, cannot, I cannot think of who it was, but they posted the top 10 quarterbacks. Somebody at either CBS or a bigger network posted the top 10 quarterback moves of this past offseason, and Jacoby was number 10 well behind many names that are struggling immensely. I think if you look at the first eight-game sample size here, John, you have one of the best-performing quarterback movers in the NFL, so safe to say he's above expectations. Do you want to add some more to what you've seen from Jacoby that you've liked? Yeah, I I think he's just been outside of you know one-score games where we've been down late. Um, those have been a little a little rough, but it's just it's far above my personal expectations. And um, you know when you read that seventy, some people might think, "Oh, it's pretty low." That's why it was good to get the rank there because you know there's some people that uh, well, it's been a rough year for offenses and quarterbacks in general. Uh, specifically, this is these are the lowest grades I think in the lowest power. Um, well, the lowest efficiency we've seen out of the quarterback position since you know for several years. So, yeah, I would say Tua is leading the league in pass grade by five points. I mean, he's at a ninety, but he's leading it pretty significantly. And you go back year by year. I mean, like back in two thousand twenty, there were four guys above ninety. If you had an 85 grade, you were at the eighth best quarterback that season. So it's it's safe to say, suffice to say, that quarterback play has been down from a performance perspective for much of the year. So to get what they have gotten out of Jacoby has been really, really strong. And he has flaws. He is not great, not not exceptional, not above average when you put him in predictable pass situations. He certainly is not great in chaotic situations as often as you would like him to be. And when you need a quarterback to carry you on a drive that is significant, right? You're, you need to get in position for a game-tying field goal, go score a touchdown to win, whatever that might be. He's proven this year to, to make mistakes in those scenarios. But again, what did you expect out of Jacoby Brissett? You probably didn't expect anywhere near the level of play you've received. So to me, quite clearly an above-expectation outcome. I will say, and we'll touch on this later, that to me, Jacoby is, is not – he's sort of playing to be a starter around the NFL next year. In my opinion, if he puts three more really good games on tape, John, he will have a chance to go somewhere who maybe doesn't land the quarterback they want or something and get a chance to play somewhere. I I really cannot imagine there are 31 better guys performing in the NFL. Now, largely in my opinion, John, it is, it is scheme dependent. No greater example than what he was doing in Miami, the RPO stuff that they built for Tua and their quick game. That's not who he is. He's really built for the wide zone Shanahan system style of quarterback play, as we're seeing. Um, but but I do think he's more than just a backup and has probably priced himself out of coming back to Cleveland, as I would imagine Cleveland is going to be cutting every corner imaginable to, to get all these contracts to fit. I don't know if you saw it, but the Browns actually, despite having – roughly 48 million, maybe a little bit more right now. When you include all of that money in their rollover, they're actually projected to be over the cap next year by 540,000. Now that doesn't mean they can't restructure things and create money as you can create money and you can release people. There's different things you can do, but that gives, it should give everybody a very wide perspective of, well, why are the Browns just holding on to this money? Well, Hey man, the bills come and do on some of these extensions you've signed. So they're going to have to cut corners in places. There is no money left, in my opinion, for a high-dollar backup. Hence, claiming Kellen Mond, perhaps Josh Dobbs, those two are the guys who are going to be fighting for the low-money backup position. You tell me if I'm wrong. Do you see a, a, a Jacoby Brissett signing somewhere next? Granted, again, these next three games go as they've gone, uh, and they're going to be better defenses in general, so it'll be an interesting challenge. But do you see a role for him somewhere else around the league getting some time next year as, as perhaps a guy who goes into the year as a starter for a team looking maybe to bridge a young quarterback or bridge to the next draft? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I agree with exactly how you stated it. Uh, he's overperformed. He's definitely priced himself out of here, um, which is unfortunate because you'd love to be able to keep him for uh, small dollars, but it's just not how it works. I'd, keep him, I would, I'd pay him $4 million a year just for the sneaks. 
<laughs> so, you know, um, good at it. He's really yeah, good. he really is. Um, you know, so yeah, I think he, he's priced himself out of here. I think there's for sure, uh, well, in a general, you already basically summed it up. Like in a general sense, hundred percent, there should be somewhere where he should be starting. Um, however, it is, as you said, scheme dependent. So he's got to find the right situation. Like, I, I don't think he, you know, I don't think he can go to Washington, even though he's clearly a better player than what they have there. Um, that's not a good fit. Um, <clears throat> just as one example. So I think he pretty much nailed it. You could probably play for Jeff Saturday in Indy, right? And know, go back. There. <laughs> no, uh, that press conference is too cool. funny. Oh my God. That's, um, yeah, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> let's, uh, let's shift and talk. Uh, we need to talk about running backs cause there's no other quarterback to really break down. Um, so we're above on on Jacoby, obviously. Nick Nick is, I mean, he's ridiculous. We'll talk Chubb first. He he's got a ninety one point three run grade, which I believe is best in the NFL. He's tied for the most missed tackles forced. He has the most ten plus yard carries. He has the most fifteen yard breakaway carries, and um, he he's second in the NFL in yards after the bye week. But he has twenty five less carries than Derrick Henry and uh, is averaging a full yard per attempt more and leads the NFL still with 10 touchdowns. So I don't really think we need to delve too far into this, but Nick is at the peak of his powers. He is above expectations, which is mind-blowing, given that we already have high, high, high expectations for him. And, um, yeah, he's just – he's the be- he, he's probably the best pure runner I'll ever see in Cleveland. I, I, don't, I don't think I'll ever see a better runner. So he's, he's just a locomotive right now. Thoughts on Nick? Yeah, he's over. Uh, he's over expectation for me, and again, that's you know that's saying something. Um, since you know, like you, I have considered him the best pure runner in the NFL uh, for some time now. I don't know that I thought we would get one of these seasons out of him because they have preserved him, which is a good thing. Um, you know, and I hope that we don't suffer any repercussions from you know, uh, running him as much as we do this year. I know like, you know, there's a lot of people that <laughs> would, um, balk at that statement, but you know, there's, I think, uh, I saw a stat earlier on Twitter, maybe from Corey, um, where he was talking about how only, um, I think there was only one, the, the amount of running backs that are averaging 20 carries a game, um, which used to be a very common thing in the NFL, um, is minuscule, absolutely minuscule. Um, and Nick's getting hit as much as anybody in the NFL outside of basically Derrick Henry. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's awesome to see, and I'm glad that I get to see it in terms of numbers, and he gets to enjoy it. I would love to see 1,800 yards and 20 touchdowns, and we may get to see it, and that's wild. That's wild, wow. and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think they have, what are their, they're three and five, so they have nine games left and they played eight, so they have a few more, one more uh, game to play, unless my math is off. He's trending toward like an 1,800-yard season right now. Um, mm-hmm. And if you, you know, if you just want to roll touchdowns into a times two, like a 20-touchdown season, that would be uh, pretty exceptional. Kareem is the next guy. I, I waver on Kareem Hunt a little bit. He's gone 77 times, 305 yards. Um, I should too. I, I didn't touch on Nick's receiving stuff, which is my bad. Nick has 10 catches, 70 yards. Kareem has 19 catches, 117 yards, um, 305 yards on 77 carries for a four yard per carry average, three touchdowns. I think that in my opinion, probably if you add in the blocking stuff that hasn't been as crisp as you'd like, really not as involved in the past game as I had hoped. And um, the rushing performances have left a lot of meat on the bone for me. I would probably say the first half has been a below expectations run for Kareem, but I could probably be, be talked into add expectations. What do you think? Yeah, I'm probably at the low end of at expectations. And, you know, this is understanding that the season is more than just this half. And, you know, I have never really considered Kareem, um, you know, necessarily very good in terms of vision and stuff like that's not really where his strengths lie so i could you know this is i've seen him do lulls like this before or worse even when chubb was out and he was a lead back 
So my, my expectations and my viewpoint really of Kareem Hunt is lower than probably 90% of this town. So, um, you know, I think he's very good back, uh, but um, nothing like a lot of the people that think that we have two top five runners or two top 10 guys. I, I've never, I've never subscribed to that. So, yeah. you know, I probably consider myself on the low end of at expectation. I think you could probably find three Kareem hunts in the draft. I, I, I really think yes. that. And, and, uh, and, and you really can't find a Nick except for every you know, five to 10 years, a player like him. So that's kind of the, the difference. You know what I'm saying with that? I, I think mm-hmm. Kareem has replicable uh, skill set, but he's, he's fine. And he's a really fun change of pace to Nick's style of running. And I think you and I have talked about this, the style of fights deal I've, reference before so it it works it's just it's it's a cost thing so hey, if uh, we're we're in the if we're inside the five yard line i still prefer kareem i think that, yeah. right i think that's that's where he belongs that's where his strengths really are um i think that's actually the one single weakness if you want to call it that of chubb is that he's so patient that um he um, lacks a little something inside the five yard line is yeah. like the only negative thing I could possibly say about the guy. So, and I do think he's actually even been better at that this year. He has, he has, and I didn't think he would get that, but yeah, he has. I didn't either. I didn't either. So, okay. Really not much to talk otherwise. I mean, Dearness Johnson had four carries in the last game for 17 yards. Those were his first carries. I liked them. A lot of the cutback stuff that he's really good at, you know, pressing lateral to get vertical. Like I would like to see more of Dearness Johnson in the second half of the season, to be quite honest. We'll see if that comes to fruition, at least in the return game. That would be nice. Although Jerome Ford is back today. Uh, we have heard Jerome Ford, Chase Winovich have come off of the IR along with, I should just kind of updating you in general, Denzel Ward and Wyatt Teller are practicing and trending toward. We'll see if they play Sunday. We'll do, um, we'll do, let's do this. We'll take a quick break and then we'll come back from break. We'll do receivers and, and, and O-line, um, uh, tight ends O-line, and then we will uh, be right back and uh, then we'll have some fun questions at the end. So first break, we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So looking at Brown's receivers, this is a really refreshing look since last year's debacle at the wide receiver position. Actually, Amari Cooper sits at 553 yards. Last year's leading receiver, I believe, was Donovan Peoples-Jones, and he had 597. So to put that into perspective, (laughs) the entire football season, we had a leading receiver of 597, and that's almost topped at this point. So going through it, looking at your top producers, we'll start with Amari Cooper. He has 39 catches on 66 targets, 553, five touchdowns, trending toward one of his better statistical seasons in a significant amount of time. Um, I've been really blown away by Amari. There have been little flashes of his age where he's like, ah, I see see where he probably would have got to that back at Oakland and some different little things here and there, but he continues to create fantastic separation. He is built so perfectly for the offensive structure here, which is really 
it gives routes time to develop. So if you're a guy who likes to make a sort of intricate release or you need to stack somebody to create a double move, he and that's why I thought Odell was really built for this offense too, but it never came to fruition. We don't need to go into that again. But Cooper seems to be playing with a quarterback who is preferring him, sometimes to a fault, but preferring him uh, in, in a way that I think is really good for this group. And that's why he's sitting 553, five touchdowns. I, I mean, I it, it, let me see. His pastors, his receiving grade is a 78.2, which is pretty good for him. I, I mean, I'm going to open up his bio real quick to see if there's some better runs. Like he had... 73.6. Yeah. So it, that first year in Dallas, he had a, he had a really, yeah, but he's playing at, at this age and what they gave up for him, especially compared to what's going on around the rest of the NFL. I can't say anything except above expectations. And again, the expectations were hit for him. were pretty high to start. So I, I just really feel good about Cooper and he fits. He just fits what they need. And not that I don't think you can be a boisterous receiver and do, you know, your thing. And I'm all about that, but his attitude and persona, it just is very much what Kevin is work built. Like he's, he's the wide receiver personality that Nick is as a running back. And it really does. It, it's, it's a fit, man. And I just, I hope, I hope he's having as much fun in Cleveland as I am watching him because he's been phenomenal to start the year. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think he's above expectation for sure. Uh, there were legitimate questions about him moving the grass, about him, um, having come off his worst and and I'm a big um, his second worst. I'm a big fan or I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of the yards per root run mm-hmm. um, statistic. I think that, well, that you're really- a root guy. You, you, you're a root guy, not a route guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Learned it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well hit us with the data. What do you like about it? Yeah, I you know he was coming off his second worst um, yards per route run, um, uh, and I think like when you're generally looking at it's just a really good kind of snapshot, mm-hmm. um, a one ticket snapshot for how a receiver's performing, and um, you know this year so he was coming off a one point seven or one point six three, which is not very good whatsoever um, in Dallas and. These, these changes may seem small, but um, whenever you're like above two, um, you're having a damn good year. And um, he is at 2.14 so far. And this is a, again, a, um, a team that's not running a ton of pass plays. Um, so, you know, the only better year that he had in that was, again, his first year in Dallas at 2.29. So he's, he's performing at peak levels. And when you trade a fifth round pick for a guy and you're paying him $20 million, um, you know, basically it, it was almost like Dallas just wanted to get rid of the salary and to yeah. get this guy at half and performing at top, you know, at top levels under these circumstances is just, uh, it's a win. It's a W take it. Absolutely. You, you really, uh, you look at the yards, uh, per reception at 14 point. It's all really good. Now he's, he's, um, his catch percentage is at 60.9. I think again, that's because the quarterback favors him a lot, which again, I don't have a problem with that. It's just some he gets some empty targets in there too. Put it that way. Um, he has he has dropped three balls, and there have been a couple that I really would have preferred he'd come up with. To be honest, mm-hmm. I was disappointed he didn't come up with some of them. But he's never really been a tight catch window guy. But if you take him for what he is, he's doing the things he does well at a high clip. So very much above expectation. I think above expectation will be a theme for this offense, especially when you consider how above expectation the group is playing david and joku's next and man am i bummed that he missed some time what's bananas here john he's caught 34 of 41 targets for an 82.9 reception percentage like that is <laughs> so efficient um 418 yards he's only found the end zone one time which is just kind of happenstance like he's just he's been so good they don't they don't really they've run it so efficiently inside the 20 yard line that they just the opportunities aren't always there right so yeah um but God, everything is there for him. He's doing a great job. He does have one fumble. The blocking, though, has been really good. Only one drop on the year. Uh, five of seven contested catch situations. Um, and uh, he's forced a couple missed tackles, which is pretty solid for, for this group, who is not a great yak group. But I think David's been tough to tackle in some open field scenarios. So he's done a oh, good yeah. job there. Um, and again, like I said, he is a rare in an offense that needs an ass kicking lead tight end who can be on the field and block down and seal 
uh, pin pull stuff or be the lead edge setter in wide zone against guys like Khalil Mack or, or, or somebody of the sort. He handles that, but he can also handle getting out in space and comfortably catching the football and running in open space and getting vertical and jumping over people. He's, he's fulfilling the, the, the prophecy, right. Of what we all thought he could be. I really hope the ankle doesn't come back too bad. The, the video of the ankle injury is not bad and his walking afterward wasn't terrible. So I'm hoping that off the bye or the week after here, he can get back and, and do what he was doing because man, I could not be any more above expectations for the way David was playing, which was trending toward a pro bowl bid. If he can keep the missed games to a minimum and continue to, to fetch some targets. And we all know Deshaun Watson likes tight ends too. So, um, yeah, a lot to be really encouraged about with David, who's still so young. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is probably my um, – outside of, you know, talking about low expectations coming in for Brissett. I mean, obviously he would be very high. But um, <clears throat> David, like I'm happiest probably about David because we just signed, you know, a huge contract for him. Um, so he just got paid. He is having his best season in every single category. I talked about that, uh, yards per route run with, um, with Cooper, David Njoku is tied with him at a 2.14. And that is second in the, in football among like, at least if you had 20, 20 targets, all right. Or 20% of uh, minimum targets. So he's right behind Mark Andrews, who's at 2.18. So he's like right up there on every, and it doesn't even matter. That's just, again, that's one of my favorite kind of snapshot stats, but it doesn't matter what you look at, you know, uh, whether you're looking at offensive grade, um, you know, it, especially with PFF stuff, um, you know, offensive grade, blocking grades, everything is the best in his career. He's having his best, uh, best season right after you gave him big money. Um, and I mean, like the you're running into when you talk about the tight end developmental curve, um, this says really, really great things about what we're in store for over the course of this contract. It does. It does. He's trending up in a great direction, very much an above expectations player. The third guy leading in targets at 44 is Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, 30 catches on 44 targets, 417 on track to top his last year. He's on track to push toward a 900-yard season, uh, receiving grade of 68.1. Um, uh, it's a little low, but I think it's they, they judge harshly on separation, and he doesn't always create a ton of separation. But what I will say about Donovan is like, he has a keen ability to catch the football with a very wide radius in difficult catches. This year, That's I know last year he was a contested catch savant. This year he's 18 of 13 on contested catches. Now, again, you can create your own contested catches because you don't separate and it turns into that. But yeah. he has proven he can handle those to a really high quality. 16 of 30, 23 last year, so 70% last year. He's on track to have another solid year this year at eight of 13 already. So he's a nice player. Um, honestly, if they could find a really dynamic 11 personnel slot guy, like he's a fine backside dig route runner and frontside fade guy, vertical tree. He can do pretty much whatever he catches the ball really consistently. Um, I, I mean, he's an above expectation for me guy. I was nervous about, he was sort of the linchpin of this whole thing because if he was bad, I didn't know who would step up and I really don't know who it would be if he didn't, but he is an above expectations player for me, trending in the right direction. Another, just a, a quiet worker type man who just is, uh, seems like a guy who people love to be around and, uh, he's having a nice year and he's, he's trending toward, a a second contract player in Cleveland at a really fair price, because I think he can, I think he's going to be a nice player with, with, with Watson too. I think so. And especially when you consider the fact that he was a six round draft pick to begin with, um, yeah. <clears throat> he's already way above still right. 23. David's only 26. So still young here. Yeah. So. Now I, I think I got him at, at expectations, although I was higher on him than most people. Um, I thought that, um, I thought he's pretty solid, so I think that um, it, he's about at what I expected, although these tough catches, the way that he just continues down this route. Um, you're just doing it for fun now. I, I guess you're finding ways <laughs> to put the word in there. 
<laughs> there's a you know there there's a bit of a you know almost like a Joe Jaravicious vibe. Like I mean, if you need a yeah. third down, like I would not hesitate to throw the ball at him. I mean, he's gonna like out of anybody on this team. If you if you're talking about tight coverage, need a catch, must have it, and it's not going to be an open one. Like Amari is gonna like you know he's gonna run you know circles around some guys with uh, the way that. Um, his ability to to run routes is, but the uh, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that um, DPJ is like working out really well. Just like you said, in the sense that I think he'll be, be be able to be brought back at a reasonable price, and having a guy that is going to win contested catches like that uh, is really really worth something. I think where people get kind of trapped on uh, the contested catch thing is in college, right? Where yeah. if you're not separating in college um, and you're like, that's as soon as you said created, um, you know, contested catches, I think of like a lot of uh, the mistakes and, and I'm talking about myself too, of, you know, um, highly rating guys who are crazy with that in college and not, fully factoring in the fact that they're not separating, but he's already at the highest level and it doesn't bother me so much. Um, and I think that at a reasonable price, this is something um, every team would like to have a guy that can scoop up, especially these low balls, like, because that's, that's where you can, that's where you can really throw it. If people want to challenge you and, yeah. um, and you don't get any separation, he just, uh, he, he's way better than he should be for that height to go and scoop those low balls in. I, I don't know. I don't know how he does it. It's a real skill. And, and it's, um, I, I would say he leads the team and me going, Oh, he caught that. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. heavy traffic, getting hit simultaneous to catching to your point. You just said scooping out low throws where I think he, he's good with what, with, uh, with Brissett because Brissett kind of has that shy downfield tendency. And sometimes that leads to low throws. That perfect example was the ball that Amari Cooper dropped um the other day in the in the monday night game where it was a backside dig he worked back to it but he just didn't really drive it in uh, with with velocity up in the you know the decent catchable range that's a ball i think people's jones catches and that's why he's an efficient player now the same with watson and watson doesn't have the strongest arm out there so sometimes there'll be some low stuff so i think the way he plays the position is really beneficial for them so uh, it should be a good fit for for a while. And he blocks hard. Like the, he blocks hard. Yeah. He's not a he's not huge muscular frame, but he fits in because he's willing. And that's why they play him all the time, man. Um, uh, Harrison Bryant is the next up with 21 targets, 14 catches, a buck 14. He's pretty firmly the first below expectations guy for me. I, I just have not been impressed with the blocking phase from him where he lets too many people slide off and and he's dropped three balls and only 21 targets. And he just really hasn't given me the vibe of a guy who is going to be like, what's he going to do? Like, what's he going to do long-term that is going to continue to get him contracts. He's not a fantastic blocker. He's not really that adept in the receiving element of things. Now maybe there's a switch up with Watson and they play some more 12 personnel and he finds some answers, but He's been below expectations for me, and I, I really thought he would be an at expectations guy until Watson got back. So I'm a little bummed, and I'm really kind of eyeing tight ends in the next draft because of it. Yeah, I'm with you, and I, and I'm shocked. Uh, I really had him as a clear hit. I mean, again, for the draft position, you always, you know, have to factor that in. For the draft position, I had him as a clear hit um, as far as a draft pick went. So I, I can genuinely say that I have been very surprised and disappointed. And he in hasn't what, been bad. Like he, his time in Cleveland hasn't been to the point where I think that was just a terrible pick. Like he's been no, fine. They use right, him in a bunch of ways, but he just has not been a player that I would rise up and be like, okay, now he's going to need a contract. That's maybe double the rookie number that he got. And I'm like, I don't really know that that's something that I'd be willing to give out right now, unless he turns it around. He's still, again, he's young. He's only 24. So we'll see if he keeps developing and if he has some more success with some consistency with Watson. The only player with the worst receiving grade is Anthony Schwartz, who we can plant firmly in the below expectations territory, um, like like significantly the most disappointing offensive player this year. Hasn't found the field. He's six targets, one catch. In those six targets, he has two drops. 
Um, I don't see him on the roster next year. I just don't. I don't think he's an NFL receiver, so I'm planting him at below expectations. We can speed up on some of these fringe guys, oh, but yeah. Like wait, hold on. What if, what if I say that Anthony Schwartz is at expectation for me? Well, that's actually fair. I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah, it, that's that's fair when you think about like what were our expectations for the player. Yeah. Touche. No, I guess. Um, yeah, that's that's fair. I I don't I don't see it. I just don't. No. I don't see it. I don't. There's no. no return element. There's no special teams element. There's no uh, ball tracking. The deep route stuff isn't good enough. Now again, I'm willing to give some of these guys fresh starts with the last six games of Watson or whatever it is, but. I don't see it. So he's uh, he's down in the bottom tier uh, of that. David Bell has also been a below expectations player. Now, this one's a bit more acute to what you're talking about, which is we expected him to maybe be a five, six hundred yard receiver. Nice playing yes. a lot. He's played a significant number of snaps this year. He is their slot guy uh, or movable type when they want to put Cooper in the slot and it's 11 personnel, et cetera, et cetera. But I just haven't been. Like he just seems a very much a league average receiver. He's not very twitchy. He is um he's he's and we knew that, right? His data told us he wouldn't be, but I, I haven't seen some some route nuance I wanted to see. He's been fine. He's caught nine of eleven targets, so it's not like he's not he's not performing. He's got 137 receiving yards, uh, according to this. Well, actually I take that back. He's at nine for a hundred even. Hasn't found the end zone. I I we'll see. Second half's important for him, but um, I just, I didn't see enough in the first half of the year that left me thinking, oh, this is the, you know, extremely savvy route runner that, that carved up the big 10 and brought in a ton of tough catches. Like I just haven't really seen that so far. So I think the nine for 100 mark probably puts him at below and he's trying to block, but he's really not, he's not that good at it. He just <laughs> isn't very long and lanky and they're asking him to do some tough shit too. They're asking him to block some real dudes. So I just am a little less optimistic on him than I was coming into the year as we sit here. What do you think? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I I guess what shocks me every week is seeing his snap counts. I'm not sure that I've seen um, a more invisible wide receiver get that many snaps. Like that's, you know, every week when I look at that, I'm like, wow, he was in there. Like I, I don't, you know, I don't realize that he's ever in there um, until – yeah, which is unfortunate, but he is he is young uh, young in terms of the NFL. I, I'm not sure where he stands age wise, but um, yeah, I think I mean, that he's probably an ad expectations guy should be, but people had such high expectations for him because I've talked about this phenomenon with often when you draft guys in rounds three and four, when your first picks are rounds three and four, everybody thinks those are round one and round two guys because they want to get hyped. Like that's he was available for a reason where he was, yeah. so like. You know, I, I don't I don't think he's outperformed what his expectations should have been. Now, people had higher expectations for him. And I, too, thought he could be a four or five hundred yard receiving guy. But I'm not seeing that opportunity for him. And I'd rather those targets go to the three top players we've already talked about than him. So um, agreed. Uh, uh, let's speed let, speed round this thing. Michael Woods, two catches on four targets. I'm intrigued. Uh, twenty three receiving yards. Sorry, twenty one receiving yards. I'm intrigued by the guy. I think he's twitchy. I need to see more. He was hurt so long into the start of the season. I'm, I'm interested. He's a, he's an ad expectation. He hasn't been below. It's a six round pick. It's a flyer pick. Lotto ticket. He's been. He's shown me a couple reps that have caught my eye, and I think that's what you want. That's kind of what DPJ did the first half of his rookie year as a six round pick. So I would say ad expectations for Woods. You same. Nothing to add there. Uh, he is a little bit intriguing. Uh, definitely showing up uh, a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. So. Yeah, let me see more. Farrell Cooper, two catches, three targets, 21 yards. Not very good as a blocker. If you had expectations for this guy being any kind of good, kind of coming in as late as he did, I'd say he's at expectations, trending toward below because the blocking stuff he struggled with. But the Browns are really hurting uh, when David's out, and they're searching for answers, and Farrell's out there. He's been a decent little receiver in a couple opportunities, but I would say sort of the low end of at expectations for a tight end coming in mid-year like this. Same. Nothing to add there. Okay. Demetric Felton, one catch on two targets. He has not carved any role in this offense. He was a decoy the first two weeks, the same way he'd been a decoy. I don't see it. I think this is going to be a pick that they end up moving on from, the same as Schwartz. I just I get why they did it and the opportunity they took and all of that, but I don't see a, I don't see a path in specials. If, if Felton and Schwartz were special teams guys, hell yeah, there's a path there, but they're not. They're not doing anything in those – 
uh, endeavors. So I don't really see a long – they'll play their rookie contract. I tend to think Felton will play out his rookie deal more than Schwartz. Um, and maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe people are way lower on Felton than Schwartz because they see this this speed element that is enticing. But I don't think either of those guys. I mean, so Felton's below expectations, and uh, I don't really. I'm I'm very much like question mark over him and Schwartz in terms of what their third year in the league looks like if they're in Cleveland. I don't know. Yeah, it's unfortunate for me too uh, personally because I, I, you know, unlike Schwartz, I I thought we might have something there. So I did too. I did too. There were some encouraging things last year, and I haven't seen any of it this year. Um, let's go lightning round on the O line because I think it's it's been largely uh, above expectations. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll just look at offensive grades for the O line. Um, let's go down the line. Joel Batonio again. It's hard to say. He. I mean, I'm expecting Joel to be a Pro Bowl player, and he's been he's at expectations, but. You know, he, he's grading out an 81 in the pass game. He's grading out in a 90 in the run blocking phase. He's given up only nine total pressures this year. He's at the highest level of at expectations, teetering toward again, just like last year, above expectations when he was damn near an all pro. So you? The guy is fourth in PFF war in non-quarterbacks. Did you know that? Didn't know that. Like, so that probably pushes him to above expectations. He's just there every week. And he's so good. He's just so consistent, yeah. man. Yeah, uh, this guy's a Hall of Famer. He, he he's, will he's be pushing a Hall of Famer. toward it. If he has a strong three years here, he's really got a great argument. A great argument. Um, okay, so down the line, Conklin. Above expectations for me. 79.8 pass block grade. He's given up five pressures on the year. The run blocking has been below for him as his traditionally uh, one of the best zone blocking players in the NFL. But to get him back off of Patella tendon and to be a successful yep. right tackle blocking well – not not perfect this year, but to come off of the dislocation of the elbow and the serious knee injury, I'm above expectations for Conklin. You? Same for the same reasons. Perfect. Michael Dunn played a ton of snaps this year. Uh, extra offensive lineman. I mean, they, Browns have, haven't looked up the formal date on this. I'm going to write it up in the next day or two. But they're playing this SOB a ton, man. He's had 15 pass block snaps. Dunn has also had, let's see here. A hundred and no, God, I was off 67 run block snaps. I mean, he's, he's playing a ton. He's been fine. He's been good. He's got an 82 run blocking grade. His pass blocking stuff has been up above. Um, uh, let me see here if I can find him. He's a 79.5 pass blocker. He hasn't given up anything in his time for what his role is above expectations for you. You tell me that Michael Dunn's going to play near a hundred snaps or hasn't been an injury. Really? He hasn't really, it's kind of weird. I don't know why they put Froholt in over Dunn unless they just like, well, we love Dunn for this role and we don't want to take him out of the sixth alignment role. I, I find that decision peculiar and one that I would ask about a little bit, but I think Dunn's been at expectations. I think that's fair. Yeah, agreed. I mean, you know, and again, uh, you know, Browns fans should just be extremely happy and understand that they're spoiled right now with the line play and, and what Callahan could do with this group. Um, totally agree. They're, they're, they're getting the most out of everybody. The guy that they're getting the most out of is Ethan Posich, who we'll go to next. A 72.6 pass block grade, but only giving up seven pressures on the year. Run blocking has been phenomenal among the best center overall grades in the entire NFL, a 90.8 zone blocking grade from 81.8 collectively. Like, I mean, he has to be eating at Nick Harris to watch this, to lose this job. And then this guy come in and, and, and thrive the way postage is to be one of the best performing centers through the first eight games of the year. So obviously he's way above the expectations. I was expecting him to be a below expectations guy. Um, cause I had my expectations tempered, but oh, I wanted to go sign a guy. What's that? I wanted to go sign a guy when, when yeah. Harris. Oh out. yeah. I'm with you. I, I don't, this is, we talked a minute ago about the contract situation for where they're going to trim dollars. I'm not giving up on Nick Harris, continuing to get that role when he gets back healthy next year. Cause it's a rookie deal. And postage is probably going to look to capitalize somewhere that can pay him because I don't see Cleveland paying him. They don't have the the extra dollars and scraps laying around, and they probably think if we can take Posich and turn him into this, can we take, you know, can we take somebody like moving Michael Dunn there full time if Nick Harris isn't back healthy yet? Can we move uh, Froholt there full time? Right? Like I, I just don't think they're going to pay him. But his year this year has been really great above expectations. Say that. Yeah. Um, the only thing I have to add, I mean, well, obviously he's been phenomenal. Uh, the only thing I'd have to add is, um, 
<clears throat> that he gets some extra oomph, I think, for his grades, given that Teller has gone down for a couple of weeks here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it might be one thing if he was having this kind of year and he's, you know, bookended by the best guards in the game. Right. But um, if we were going to see him get exploited, I would have expected the last two games for that to show itself. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, fantastic job. Way, way, way above expectation. I'm with you. Wyatt Teller uh, struggled in pass game this year. Seven total pressures, given up a sack, given up. But he's been elite in the run phase, an 88.2 run phase. Great. I would probably say he, due to the injuries, um, and, and some of the stuff surrounding there, I would probably say he's at an at expectations level, the low end of it. The injury doesn't help, but the, the, the pass blocking has been a little problematic. So uh, I would say, though, he's been about at expectations, low, low end of that. And it's still his expectations are pretty high. So it's not like I'm complaining about him, you know. Same. And I would say uh, the same thing uh, with the. Um, with the idea that I'm not down on him whatsoever. He, you no, know, he, he hasn't had the best first eight games. He's been hurt a little bit. Um, I'm fine. James Hudson, 172 total snaps this year. He's been the, he's had the, the highlight motion block. He's been phased out a little as Conklin has come back, but I thought he's been at expectations, potential to be a long-term right tackle if Conklin doesn't come back another year. I really like what I've seen from Hudson. Um, 62.8 pass block grade, but I think there's something here with him. So I would say he's been about what I expected him to be this year with a real high outlook for me to potentially be that right tackle down the line. What do you think? Yeah, he's been above expectations for me. In fact, he was the, um, he was the reason why I was pushing for the Browns to, um, to get some draft capital or maybe some DT help by trading Conklin. Um, He was, and that is not somewhere I was to start the season. So, I mean, that just says, you know, yes, I have him above expectations. This is a guy who was, how many years ago was he a DT? Um, Not, I would say 2019, something in that range when he was at Michigan. Yeah. I was not a fan of the pick. Um, I was not a fan of his, you know, like how he started, um, you know, playing when they put him in. I I thought it was bonkers last year. Um, He, you know, so... You know, that definitely could be a knock on my expectations or whatever, but you know, that he's been he's been well, well above what I expected. And if you get something, if you truly turn this guy into a long term right to uh, right tackle, then uh, that is a massive draft win. Agreed. Um so yeah, we're 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 similar on Hudson. Yodi Froholt, as far as like I had no expectations for him as like a fringe roster guy to come in and play hundred and ninety two snaps of offense and be relatively respectable. His run blocking grade's been strong. He's been leaky in pass game stuff. He's given up a couple sacks, but it's not been terrible. And I think that for him to to be the first guy up uh, off the off the reserve group to play a significant right guard snaps, I think he's been a net positive. So I would probably say he's been above what were pretty tempered expectations for Froholt. Agreed. Agreed. All right, nothing yeah, to add. Yeah. There's really nothing. He's really just been quietly out there playing. It's really strange. Like it's like uh, there's nothing to really complain about, or he doesn't really do anything that catches your eye. The other end of this is Jedrick Wills, who, um, he's 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 maddening. I don't really know what other way to put it. He has. <laughs> I've said it a million times. I'm not going to bore people with it, but I have been firmly entrenched in what I believe, and he has only personified my stance on him uh, in terms of a guy who is leaving leaving money on the field essentially like he just doesn't he'll have 10 plays he won't finish a game or he'll just give up early and i don't know if that's just like who he's going to be in perpetuity i would imagine that james that, that bill callahan sits around and is just at wit's end about how to get more out of him like he's that player every coach has had this where there's like we got this uber talented player at exposition and how do we get more out of him we can't figure it out it's there I mean, he, he, it's like he's not he's not bad. He has stretches of really good. So 65.8 overall, a 67.7 in run, uh, sorry, run blocking. He's actually been a better run than pass blocker this year, which is a bit alarming considering he's given up 21 pressures. Um, yeah. Now, I think pro football focuses pressure count can sometimes be a little wonky, and I don't always agree with all of them. But at the minimum, to be up in double digits into the 15 range, uh, if you're going to say we take away six, shady uh, crediting of, 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 of a pressure, four sacks, four hits, 13 hurries. 
It's not been good enough. And in a really important year for him where the fifth year option gets decided in the off season, he is in a, a firmly, he's good. And I'm not, this is not me saying I want to write off Jedrick Wills or I don't want to keep him around or I don't think there's another contract. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an extremely challenging thing to do to replace left tackle play an adequate left tackle play, but the shaping of what it's like to keep him around, it smells a lot like Conklin to me where Tennessee declined the fifth year. He played a poor third year. And I think he might've even gotten hurt. They declined the yeah. fifth year and then he came back and had a really strong fourth year and then he hits the market. And I think that's in the realm of possibilities here with Jedrick Wills. I really do. I think he's very gifted, but mentally the drive, desire, passion about what he does on a day-to-day basis, I just don't see it. And I am concerned and I think he's played far below what my expectations have been for him uh, coming into a year fully healthy. Yeah, I think I think he's been below. Um, I do think that I agree with all the things that you said, and for the reasons you said. Um, <clears throat> just in terms of you know how this goes with the NFL, and I'll try to make this quick. Um, I don't think you can decline that fifth year option unless he just tanks in the second half. Like just the mm-hmm. the price and those kind of things. I don't want to beat Tennessee in that in that scenario. I think they did Conklin was coming off a major injury and that's he why was, they did. He was I can't remember it was I think it was a leg or a I can't remember what it was, but you're right, he was. I, I think you have to just stick out the the rookie year and see where he is, but like he might be what if he's what if he's uh Fisher? Yeah, I the, my my thing is I'm not opposed to bringing him back, but what is the deal look like, right? Like is it yes. is yes. it something where Jed's like I need to be paid like an elite left tackle? Well, brother, I got to break the news to you here. It ain't that like that. that right. Like right. that's I'm all about it. If the kind of why they bring up Fisher because he was the yeah. number one overall, yeah. you know, and they the Kansas City made that work, and he was a respectable like mid seventies left tackle for a lot of years, yeah. and that can be just fine if you're not overpaying for it. Agreed. Um, the overpaying which is, element it, is scary. Right. Right. Exactly. That's the that's the underline. That's the bold. That's the star next to it. That's the whole the whole um, the whole deal of it. So that's kind of what I'm seeing right now. Is you know a guy drafted with high expectations that you know, but you don't just jettison, you know, just for the sake of things because you know I'm sure there's and, and there obviously is because we see him all the time on the timeline. You know, people are ready to get rid of this dude, and it's just like, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, if you know what the dating scene uh, is out there at left tackle, but it's not, not pretty. pretty. All it's right, you know, pretty. and I don't like, I don't with no first round picks, I do not value spending a, one of those second round picks on another left tackle when you know I'm fine with drafting some tackles late, but I am not into you know, letting that guy go so I can spend my first pick, which will be a second round pick on a tackle um, and hoping that he's better. Like that doesn't sound like a great plan to me either. So, yeah, we see that the same way. We see it very much the same way. So that, listen, that wraps up pretty much everybody who saw the field. Uh, If we left a player who's fringe off, sorry about that, but that's the core group of offense. We're going to take one last quick break and then we have a series of four questions we'll wrap up with and uh, kind of put our lookout, uh, the, the future of this offense into the next second half of the season. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So here's the key four questions. I'm going to ask the question, you answer it, I'll follow you up. All right, here's the first one, John. What did you like most about the offense this year and what do you like least about it so far? 
Okay. Uh, what I like most is the efficiency, despite the circumstances. This offense um, is more efficient in terms of, like, I like the Ben Baldwin statistics on converting to first downs, uh, how they've they've done that. I think it's a great way to kind of, again, summarize, like, how good an offense been. They've, they've just been way above what you could possibly expect with this wide receiver core, with this quarterback, over the last eight games. So that's my most uh, most liked feature. Okay, me most liked, and then we'll do your least, and then I'll come back to me. Um, most, I would say this. I think that they feel like, I feel like they're driven by a very strong plan. Like they have, hey, we want to get oh, yeah. the football to these guys. We're going to pump targets to these players. And I felt like in years past, Kevin has very much been open to his quarterback driving an offense that was just throw it to whoever, you know, it is feels very hyper focused on getting the football to their best players as often as possible. And I really appreciate that this year because they're getting the football to Amari, to David, to Nick at a high clip. And I think that is driving the efficiency. So I feel like I really like how they've driven more of that. And, and it could be just a switch at quarterback. I don't know, but like this is very much, blatantly obvious to me that there's a driving we have to get the ball to these players because these are our dudes so i appreciate that all right what's your least like favorite that. part i like that that's actually a really good um you know extra to that all right uh, my least uh, favorite is obviously um the performance late in one score games where we're down you know it's been the place where we've been let down the most um Brissette has made some very boneheaded decisions in some of these circumstances so that's it it's very it's very simple right yeah i think kevin hasn't always helped there have been some goal line sequencing things i have not loved um and i again i'm a huge kevin stefanski fan but when i see a problem i try my best to call it out in a fair way i don't think he i think he does at times make it more difficult than it needs to be and it's truly like when you get to the five yard line I'm just going to run this SOB three times with Nick. Like he's that good this year. I'm just going to run it with him. So there are times where, I mean, I'm not a run the ball crowd guy. I think they do enough of it, but I do think at times he makes things a little more difficult than they need to be. You know, Hey, you know, uh, we'll run a quarterback sneak here. Now we're overthinking it. We're going to run a gap scheme run. Like, Like there's just been times where they've overthought things. So to piggyback off of what you're saying, where, the big moment stuff hasn't led to the best results. I think that has been crippling to some key f- swing moment games. Uh, think back to the Jets, the Falcons, the Chargers obviously all come to mind. Three games they felt like we all felt like reason- reasonably they should have won. Uh, those things ring true. Yeah, you know, just just like, hey man, you you really good at this. So just hyper focus on what you're really good at when the biggest moments hit. And and I think if he can do that. Nobody's perfect. I think there are things he can work on. If he can do that, there's a lot to be said. And, and again, you get the right quarterback. If, if Watson makes hero plays left and right, which he will, it probably erases some of this, right? Where we're like, well, they didn't do, you know, it's results-based business <laughs> that people base yeah. on the results, right? And yeah. sometimes the, the hero at quarterback can make people look way smarter than what they are, hence why coaches get hired and fired all the time. Um, uh, so that's that's good stuff on that that question. Which uh, this is a fascinating one. Which player is the most on the line the second half of the season? Now we could all we could both say Watson, but I don't really think he has anything on the line. He's he's no. uh he's, he's, guaranteed. he's got guaranteed deal, and he's going to be back, and he'll be good. He's too talented to not find ways to be good. So I'm interested in your answer on this one. All right, so I think like the easy answer to this is Jed. Mm-hmm. Um, because he has a decision on the line, but actually, my number one on this is is Posick. Um, just because he has like he has graded so well and played so well that if he if he continues on this path, he is going to get paid, paid, paid. Uh, and if he stumbles on this, he will lose an awful lot of money yeah. that, that seems to be on the table right now. So actually that's, that's my number one hit on this. He has a real deal NFL contract, a JC Treader type contract out there. Yep. If he can put another second half of the season together. Um, I think I have to just say Jed, it's the easy answer. Yeah, um, partly because when I go down the line, I'm like, I could say Harrison Bryant, but it's still got another year of that rookie deal. And his role isn't, like Jed's just he's got a he he can make a ton of money. He can make so much money um 
on a, on an extension. A, I mean, these tackles get paid so handsomely, and like he's leaving dollars on the table every bad performance, every quit snap. So if he can put together a string eight games in the second half of the year, if he dominates the next half of the year, he could get into the conversation for an extension. He could have some meetings this offseason. If he doesn't, it's going to be some uncomfortable squirming from him until his agent hears about the fifth-year deal, which they will pick up, to your earlier point. But uh, he's not making it easy. So he needs to be – and the Browns need him to be better. They, they flat out do. A lot of their issues that have come up have been – because Jed is is quitting on a play or you know stopping his uh, effort at a, at a key moment or or just losing technique like he's been really good at some points but the points like it's a it's a very micro analyzing and I'm pretty worried like listen man Deshaun is a creator and he will hold on to that thing dude he will hold oh, on to it and cool. make crazy plays uh, and you'll love him but if you have tackles and alignment who quit early because they want to look around. I'm worried about that, John. I'm worried about it. It's a That's bad really habit. Fair. Very fair. It's a bad habit. So I, I'm very hyper-focused on Jed the second half of the year. Um, okay, so what has to be better for the group to become even better? Like what has to, what element of this offense has to be better? I think it's still showing up penalties. Um, you know, uh, and then I had Jed obviously needs to get a little bit better to um, to really kind of solidify this line. Uh, but I think like the penalties can still be better. I think that they have last year was a real rough one. Like what's amazing to me is uh, in his first year, Kevin like just took the team and they were, they were doing all these shifts and motion, all these things that they did not do previously. And they were stellar at it, stellar right out of the block. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then last year was just a complete reversal. And this year has been somewhat of a mixed bag. And um, I think they have gotten a little bit better over the last few weeks. But I think that um, cleaning some of those up isn't like a big ask and it will make a difference in terms of efficiency. Very much agree. I would like to know where the hell the screen game has gone. That is completely oh, evaporated uh, from from the early portions of the year where they were hitting on them. Uh, the Jets game particularly where they, they just hit so many key screens. They haven't really hit any at all. I mean, I think they had a... And Joku tight end screen fumble in that Atlanta game where he was running off a chunk play, but there have not. They, I don't know if they're sandbagging some of them, but um, two things that could be great in the second half of the season in the right scenarios is increased screen game productivity and more bootleg stuff off of wide zone. Because Cincinnati was just begging them to run a bootleg off of it to the to the realm of nobody being home backside, and they just wouldn't do it. So I don't know if they're holding on to this for the three game stretch coming up, but. Those are two areas to me that uh, build on what you said there. Last one and a fun one. Which position group looks like it needs the most upgrading in the offseason? This is actually kind of challenging, so I'm interested in what you say. So uh, this was a toss-up between um, tight end and wide receiver for me. Um, I ended up going wide receiver. I mean, it's, um, I think it's just one that I would like to see this front office start to treat uh, more seriously in, uh, in the draft in terms of investing draft assets into, um, you know, in the, in the, I know that they got to keep adding DBs and that's very important too, but I would like to see them start treating wide receiver uh, a little more towards how they treat DBs. I mean, we, you know, you look around the league, um, there, there are games that you will watch where these guys have receiving cores that, you know, and I don't even have that many complaints you know, about how these guys have performed. However, once you get a Deshaun Watson, expectations change. Yeah. And right now we're dealing with expectations under an offense led by Jacoby Brissett. That is a different story as soon as Watson takes the field. And I think that's where all of a sudden where you don't actually feel very limited whatsoever by this wide receiver group with Brissett there, you will feel limited with a Deshaun Watson behind center uh, in terms of what this receiving group can do. So they really just, I would like to see them invest more draft assets into wide receiver. And, and obviously, you know, in any Kevin's fancy offense, I feel like they're going to have to just keep rolling through tight ends. And uh, you know, it's a, it's a slow developing position. Uh, and we don't have a lot of money to go spend on free agency. So that wide means receiver is terrible free agent class this year so unless the like like unless unless there's a cooper type trade out there again um you're to your point they did pick two so i think you might be saying 
they need to invest one of their premier picks, like like that yes, second I round mean. pick. Yes. Okay. I'm with that. I, I'm with that. I think they could really benefit from it. I'll offer a different perspective, um, uh, partly because I, I think I would be comfortable going if I said if you said, "Hey, Jake, you're going into next year with everything the same." What do you feel comfortable with? I, I think I could be comfortable with the, the four wide receivers, Woods and Bell, and then Cooper and uh, DPJ. Could they be better? Yeah, of course. But I feel comfortable with it because I've seen it this year. The tight end stuff worries me. You know, I like David a ton, but it's pretty clear that Kevin still wants to run 12 and 13 personnel. Like, he, he wants to do it. And they're being, like, ballsy as hell here, John. They're saying, hey, we're just going to put an offensive lineman out there. We don't care. We're just going to do it all the time. He didn't care. Like, this is who we are. We don't have the tight ends we want. We failed to, to figure that out and whatever, whatever, and we just don't give a shit. We're still going to put a – we're just going to put a lineman out there. They've run eight alignment out there sometimes. I think that goal line play with Hudson on the two-point play was nine offensive linemen. Like yeah, I think that I was, mean, like, some kind of a record. Like, I think there was, like, a little God. stat on that. Like, the last time that was run. But he doesn't care, and he's being, like, he's being brazen about it. And And to me, it's like – can they find a second, like Isaiah Likely to Mark Andrews, you know, sore subject for yes. me and you, because yeah. our, our <laughs> I, every time Likely touches the football, I get so hurt. But <laughs> like they need that guy. This draft has some fun guys in it and some big guys. And like, I don't think they're going to be able to get the, the Bowers of next year or the Michael Mayer this year. Those are probably first round guys over the next two years. But there's a big kid out of Georgia. Um, that's interesting. Like they need to me, I would not want to go into next year. Uh, O-line status quo will be the same. I really think tight end is a spot where I'm like, I really need a second and perhaps third serviceable tight end. So when he was, when he does want to do that fun stuff, imagine an actual dynamic second tight end to David, that would be a lot of fun. So I'll offer that different perspective. This was an hour, over an hour, but God, it flew by. It was a ton of fun. A lot of Fun topics, uh, player analysis here. I hope you enjoyed it like I did, John. I hope everybody out there enjoyed it. I think it was a lot of fair perspective on, on you know, where these guys are and where they're going into the second half of the year. And I'm expecting this offense to still be fun. I think you are too. And uh, they should they should continue to uh, efficiency people to death. That that, that really shouldn't, uh, shouldn't change. And that's why they're in every game. You know, it's like they're not going to get blown out of games because they just, they move the football and they, they score some points. So, this is a lot of fun, John. I appreciate your time and, and uh, insights, brother. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it too. So thanks for having me. Guys, that's a wrap for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I think this is a fun way to look at the roster and some fun questions to look at this side of the football for the rest of the year. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll do this on defense with uh, Jared Mueller, and we'll, we'll we'll do the same exercise, the same questions. And um, it's going to be a little more critical, obviously, because of how the defense is played. So I expect that one to, to, to slant toward the negative side a little bit, but uh, there are some, some decent trends of late. So we'll try to hit on those in that pod as well. So huge thanks to John for taking his time. This is a, a big block of time to do this, but I think it was really, really good insight from both of us. So I, again, I hope you guys appreciated it. Continue to stop by the OBR. Thanks for doing that for the website. And then uh, obviously doing that for this podcast as well as we continue to uptick in the continuous post by week content for you guys. So have a great, uh, have a great Tuesday, everybody stay safe and go Browns.